wanted to start off. Well, let's pray real quick. All right, Jesus, this should be entertaining. Just have your way here and do whatever you want, and I'll do my best to follow. Amen. Okay. So we just sang that song, All Hail King Jesus. That's one of my, actually one of my favorite songs. But something's always kind of bothered me about it, and <laughs> I couldn't figure it out until I was back there listening to it. And um, it's a great song. It's a great anthem to Jesus. You know, All Hail King Jesus. Awesome. But the first line in the song might be the dumbest line ever written for a song. It says, there was a moment when the lights went out. When death had claimed its victory, the king of love had given up his life the darkest day in history. It was not the darkest day in history. That was the point of Jesus coming to the earth. Lights didn't go out. I think the lights got illuminated. I mean, just exploded. That was the whole point of him coming to earth. Death did not claim a victory. The victory was death. All right? I believe that, and you know, I was like, well, maybe this is what's going on. I can almost guarantee you this is what was going on in the spiritual realm. Satan was freaking out. Him and his little minions, they did not want Jesus to die. Because it was over for them after that. Anything that separated the bride from the bridegroom, gone. Right there. Destroyed. Satan won nothing that day. We did. Jesus did. That was his whole point of coming to earth. You know, Angie showed me this picture, I think it was yesterday, of... uh, Jesus on the cross and Father God was behind the cross holding up his arms. You know, and there there was always that saying that, you know, the Father turned away because he couldn't handle it. I don't know why we continue to diminish. I don't know if it makes us feel better or something that we try to diminish what heaven did that day. Didn't happen. Everything that happened that day, Jesus on earth led up to that moment. Satan didn't play a part in it. Satan did not want any of that to happen, I promise you. All right? When Jesus died on the cross, guys, nothing happened that was in Satan's plan at all. That was all Jesus. That was all God right there. Okay? So, I think where I'm supposed to start is in Proverbs. So Proverbs 30, Vince. Let's see here. I don't need that. You have to bear with me as I go through this because I really have no idea what I'm doing. And that's okay. And I'll just warn you, from here on out, there's probably going to be a lot of tears. And they're good tears. Deal with it. My kids should be very happy because they said this was going to happen. And I said, no, it won't. (laughs) All right. Hold up. Words. So Proverbs 30, verse 18 through 19. 
there are four marvelous mysteries that are too amazing to unravel. Who could fully explain them? One, the way an eagle flies in the sky, the way a snake glides on a boulder, the path of a ship as it passes through the sea, and the way a bridegroom, a bridegroom falls in love with his bride. Now, here's what Jesus was doing back there to me. Have you ever... Do you guys remember the first time you fell in love? How you couldn't stand to be away? You know, sorry, Autumn, this is going to be about you for a little bit, okay? Autumn had a, a whirlwind romance where she met her, her bridegroom. It's fast. It is amazing. And she fell head over heels. And they got married. And now they're separated. Because he's in Poland. And, you know, fighting for us. And all I could think about was her poor heart. You know, having that separation. I mean, it... If you take a picture of that and picture what it felt like for Jesus and God to think that we would feel separated from him. They were never separated from us. We did that to us ourselves. We separated ourselves from them in our minds. All right. They never lost their love for us. They never had that feeling of Well, let me let me rephrase. We should never have had that feeling of feeling like our bridegroom had walked away or had to go somewhere and do something. Never. That was all in our minds. And when Jesus came back and died on the cross, it was to take that barrier that we had put up ourselves and tear it down so that we could be one with him again. By the way, we're talking about oneness. <laughs> That's the title of this. <clears throat> but Marvelous Mysteries, the last one was the way a bridegroom falls in love with the bride. If you've ever been lucky enough to experience that first love, that's how Jesus feels about you guys all the time. It never diminishes, ever. Um, let's go to John 3, I think. Yes, let's go to John 3. Verse 27. Through 30. Okay. So what's going on here is uh, John is meeting, uh, John the Baptist, he's meeting with some of his disciples and they're, they're kind of upset with Jesus because, you know, John baptized a lot of people 
And then when Jesus started hitting ministry, he started baptizing. And the crowds that went to Jesus were way bigger than the ones that were going for John. And so his disciples were kind of complaining and moaning at him that, you know, what happened? You know, we had this great ministry and now it's going, you know, it's not as good as it was. And here's John's response to them. John answered them, a person cannot receive even one thing unless God bestows it. You heard me tell you before that I am not the Messiah, but certainly I am the messenger sent ahead of him. He is the bridegroom and the bride belongs to him. Holy crap. Every time I say that, it gets me. (laughs) All right. I am the friend of the bridegroom who stands nearby and listens with great joy to the bridegroom's voice. And because of his words, my joy is complete and overflows. So it is necessary for him to increase and for me to diminish. We've, uh, there's a whole movement been started on that last line. He must increase and I must decrease. <laughs> it is so stupid. The way that we're doing that as a church is actually separating us farther from God in our minds. It never meant for that verse to be used to say, he must increase, I must decrease. All John was trying to say is, my ministry done. I have now done being the messenger. I get to be the bride now. Okay. I, I, I wrote this down last night because it was really good. It says, John was like a matchmaker. He was helping prepare the bride for the bridegroom. And it was time for him to step aside so the bride could take back their rightful place next to the bridegroom. Because when the bridegroom comes, I mean, John, I mean, we, we understand who John is now with his ministry, John the Baptist. Awesome dude. Kind of weird, but very awesome. All right. When he was done, he gave, it was, he had, he had prepared the way for the bride and the bridegroom to become one again. And that's awesome. And it was her, his, guys, it was his turn. Do you guys not understand when it, Jesus never wanted us separated from him, but because we were, he sent somebody, prepared the way, and then it was his turn to be the bride. He never asked us to diminish who we were in him so that we could elevate him. He does not need that help. He is way more powerful than we can ever comprehend. He doesn't need help, you know, bringing up his power, all right? Father didn't have to turn his face away from Jesus because he couldn't handle sin. He kicks sin in the pants, okay? (laughs) That's the nicest way I'm going to say that, all right? Never once did he lose his power, did his power become less, where we had to decrease ourselves because somehow our powers were great. Never. Never. You know, and I'm not trying to take away, I mean, I am, because I don't, Angie pointed this out to me a while ago, that there's just a lot of this crap that we, we make, turn movements into that are so stupid. All it does is put us in a place of power to make us ourselves feel more powerful. And it takes that oneness away from us and the Father. All right. I want to read one more thing. Let's go to Ruth real quick. 
Ruth one. And I need a different Bible for that. So backstory on this. Ruth was the daughter-in-law to Naomi. And her husband had died. And she really, 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 really liked her mother-in-law. I know that seems weird to some of you, but it's a true story. Sometimes mother-in-laws are really cool. And uh, Ruth told Naomi she wanted her, or Naomi told Ruth that she wanted to send her back to her own home where she had come from because they weren't from the same uh, tribe or whatever. And Ruth and was pretty devastated. And um, this ain't necessarily about uh, the bridegroom and marriage, but it, it, this is about what happens when you separate people who have become one. All right. And so Ruth's response to Naomi um, when she wanted her to leave was amazing. And this is actually, you can take this into your, into your marriage as well. When you get married, teenagers later in life, much later. Okay. It says, but, and this is verse 16 through 17. It says, but tearfully Ruth insisted, please don't ask me again to leave you. I want to go with you and stay with you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will now be my people and your God will now be my God. Wherever you die, I will die there too. That's where your people will bury me next to you. Nothing but death itself will separate me from you. So help me God. So that last line that nothing but death will separate it. That's when I say on that line in that song where death had claimed a victory. Nope. Victory claimed death. Jesus claimed death because then he took that separation away because now death cannot even separate us. Death cannot separate us at all. When we become one with God, we're one forever. All right. And guess what? When I say we became one, when Jesus died, we became one and we didn't really have a choice in the whole situation. Sorry. We cannot keep trying to take credit for something that we didn't do. We just get to be, get the trophy. We get to get the oneness because Jesus died. Okay. Now, I'm going to read uh, John 17 to you guys, and it's I'm going to read the whole chapter to it. And I want you to listen to it now, knowing you're the bridegroom, or you're the bride, and the bridegroom is praying for you. Um, if, if you want to know what the Lord's Prayer is, this is it. It wasn't what we think the Lord's Prayer is at all. All right? The disciples, when we, we think of the Lord's Prayer, we think of when Jesus taught the disciples to pray. They asked him to teach him, teach them the way, what was it, John the Baptist taught them, his disciples to pray. So Jesus did it. He taught them the way that John the Baptist prayed. But this right here, this prayer right here is the prayer that he prayed. And you could call this the Lord's Prayer. Or you could call this the prayer of the bridegroom for his bride. Okay. Now I got to get down here and I'm going to sit down. My hip really hurts. So I'm going to sit down and read this to you guys. Is that okay, Vince? Okay. 
So listen to this as the bride, okay? This is what Jesus prayed as he looked up into heaven. And of course, this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's getting ready to die. Okay? Father, the time has come. Unveil the glorious splendor of your Son so that I will magnify your glory. You have already given me authority over all people so that I may give the gift of eternal life to all those that you have given to me. Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God and to know and experience Jesus Christ as the son whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth by faithfully doing everything you told me to do. So my father, restore me back to the glory that we shared together when we were face to face before the universe was created. Father, I have manifested who you really are and I have revealed you to the men and woman that you give me, gave me. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have fast, fastened your word firmly to their hearts. And now at last, they know that everything I have is a gift from you, and the very words you gave to me to speak, I have passed on to them. They have received your words and carried them in their hearts. They are convinced that I have come from your presence, and they have fully believed that you sent me to represent you. So with deep love, I pray for my disciples. I'm not asking on behalf of the unbelieving world, but for those who belong to you, those you have given me. For all who belong to me now belong to you, and all who belong to you now belong to me as well. And my glory is revealed through their surrendered lives. Holy Father, I am about to leave this world to return and be with you, but my disciples will remain. So I ask that by the power of your name, protect each one that you have given me and watch over them so that they will be united as one. Say that with me, united as one. Even as we are one. While I was with these that you have given me, I have kept them safe by your name that you have given me. Not one of them was lost except one that was destined to be lost. So that scripture would be fulfilled. But now I am returning to you. So, Father, I pray that they will experience and enter into my joyous delight in you. So that it is fulfilled in them and overflows. I have given them your message. And that is why the unbelieving world hates them. For their allegiance is no longer to this world because I am not of this world. I'm not asking that you remove them from the world. But I ask that you guard their hearts from evil. For they no longer belong to this world any more than I do. Your word is truth, so make them holy by the truth. I have commissioned them to represent me just as you commissioned me to represent you. And now I dedicate myself to them as a holy sacrifice so that they will live as fully dedicated to God and be made holy by your truth. And I ask not only for these disciples, and this is going to be you guys, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. 
For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. I just want to read that one more time to you. It says, for the very glory you have given to me, I have given to them. The same glory that rests on Jesus now rests on you guys. All right, verse 23. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them, so that they will experience perfect unity. And the world will be convinced that you have sent me, for they, they will see that your love, you love each one of them with the same passionate love you have for me. Father, I ask that you allow everyone that you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they will see my full glory, the very splendor you have placed upon me, because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. Who did the Father give to Jesus? Everybody. All human creation was given to Jesus. And his prayer was that, Father, I ask you allow everyone that you've given to me to be with me where I am. Do you not think the Father heard Jesus' prayer and said, you bet, son. Then they will see my full glory, the very splendor you have placed upon me, because you have loved me even before the beginning of time. You are my righteous father, but the unbelieving world has never known you in the perfect way that I know you. And all those who believe in me also know that you have sent me. I have revealed to them who you are, and I will continue to make you even more real to them so that they may experience the same endless love that you have for me. For your love will now live in them even as I live in them. Nothing was going to separate Jesus from the Father, and nothing was going to separate Jesus from us. We have no choice but to be one with the Father at all. Sometimes for guys, it's hard to be uh, called the bride. Doesn't sound very masculine. I'm called princess. <laughs> it's not an unmasculine thing, guys, to be the bride. In fact, there's nothing more masculine than being the bride of Christ. There's nothing more awesome, ladies, for you to be the bride of Christ. Don't let separation in your mind come between you and Jesus, the bridegroom. Live life to the fullest by enjoying the bridegroom. All right. That's all I have.